The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an Impact Fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe. Hello, it's been a minute. How's it going? Has been a little while, but... Good to be back and obviously came back with the right one based on your outfit. Yes, I show up. When someone tells me what to do, I understood the assignment today. (laughs) That's how I roll. I aimed please. This week we're getting our slasher on as we dive into a review of the latest entry in the Scream franchise, Scream 6. This is the 2023 entry into the slasher franchise. And this time, much like it does in Scream 2 and 3, we take Ghostface out of Woodsboro as a new version of this killer begins targeting the survivors of the Woodsboro legacy attacks, but this time in New York City. The big apple. What did you think of this change of location and change of really motive too? Like this killer uses a lot of things that is the first time use of. Yeah, it doesn't follow the previous quote-unquote rules of, of slasher series and stuff like that. It's got its own own agenda, and I loved it. Um, I was really excited that it was going to be in New York because it's such a large playground necessarily um, to, you know, for Ghost Place to have like, go on his, on his warpath and rampage, and you never really know where it's going to show up, and there's just so many different elements in that, that kind of uh, location. I like it not being confined to Woodsboro because like honestly how many serial killers can one small town have yeah and then after a while it just kind of gets dragged out because nobody's going to take it seriously and I I guess that kind of like leads to the element of surprise a little bit because no one really takes anybody seriously when they're dressed as Ghostface in Woodsboro but at the same time it was it's been a little bit played out and I'm glad that they were able to like spread their wings and get out of that little small confined space reminds me of like the Australian TV show Blue Healers or even like Home and Away. Mm-hmm. It's like these two small towns, like Blue Healers was this small rural country town and like they constantly had like murderers and crazy crime happening and then just like the local police had to solve these ridiculous crimes. It's like how many how many criminals are coming to this tiny rural town that has like nothing to it and then Home and Away is the same thing. It's like this small beach town. Yeah. It's meant to be like a tourist hotspot, but it's constantly having like someone bombed the diner and then there's a murder and then the kidnapping and now there's bikies. And it's just like, what, what, what is going on in this tiny town? Yeah. There's like no possible way that you can have that much stuff going on in just one small, like, you know, maybe 20 mile town or something like that. 20 square miles. And at least like with a major serial killer, like, Ghostface that's had the stab movies in this universe made inspired by the crimes like it would make sense for there to be copycats across the country not just oh I want to be 
a ghost face copycat, so I have to go to Woodsboro and do this. Right, yeah, it just makes sense. And target the exact same people over and over again. Right, yeah, it makes total sense to just have, like, someone who's, like, obsessed with, with the stab murders or movies to be branching out all over the place at this point. And I think that sort of poses an interesting path for this franchise to take moving forward too. Like, we saw this is the first Scream movie that doesn't feature uh, Sidney Prescott, Neve Campbell. So I think, like, we could potentially see this franchise moved in that direction where it is just, like, copycats giving their interpretation of Ghostface and targeting people that they have an issue with, and it could be everywhere. We don't have to constantly bring back the same characters, which, like I mentioned, is a bit weird that multiple serial killers keep attacking these three or four main characters. Like, they're constantly the targets all the time. Yeah, there's just like one little cluster of people that are constantly getting targeted, and it's like, all right, I get it. Someone's gonna try and come out and stab me this year. Cool, I'm ready. Let's let's figure it out. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind seeing it spin off and just be like, yeah, this is Scream Seven in London. Well, like I know, didn't they have like the Scream series too that came out? But like I don't, I never watched it, so I don't really know what it entails or involves. But, like, that would have been a perfect opportunity for them to be able to explore that without having to necessarily drag out the franchise too long. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you could do a, a Scream, like, TV series and have it be like Black Mirror-style mm-hmm. anthology where each episode is just, like, a different killer and it's they just don't have it be such a vast story where they're killing 10, 15 people. Like, it's... Yeah. Where they kill, like, one or two and then we find out who it is. Like, mm-hmm. little short mysteries. Yeah. So in terms of Scream 6, what did you think of it before we dive into everything? Um, it was fun. Um, it's not my favorite out of the entire franchise. Um, I feel like even though I loved it so much and I'm always here for a good Scream movie, I feel like it is getting harder to continue the franchise without it getting stale just because it's such a small kind of storyline and to keep up with. So unless they branch out otherwise, it's going to get old real quick. But it was really fun, and I'm glad that they, they're they able to still kind of keep it running because I grew up watching the Scream movie, like the original Scream, and now I'm still being able to enjoy it in my adulthood. So it's it's fun to see it carrying on. Yeah, I think they do a good job of paying homage and referencing all of the previous movies. Yeah. But it is getting to that point of there's a lot you need to know and you're going to miss a lot if you're not a fan of the whole franchise. So yeah. It is getting a little bit difficult, and I enjoyed this one, but I, it wasn't as good as old Five Cream. That was better. Yeah, I mean, Five was good to me. I I'm still always like I'm I, I love the original one, and as far as newer ones are concerned, um, like Four was probably my favorite out of the new issued ones. I guess you want to say because that one did come out like significantly later than Scream Three, but yeah, to me, it's just where do we go now, like. Don't drag it out to where everybody's just annoyed that a new Scream movie comes out every year. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of the risk they're running at the moment where if they start pumping these out on a yearly basis, I could see people losing the enthusiasm for them like they did with 3 and 4 because 3 was horrible. And then 4 like redeemed it a little bit, but people were kind of burnt out by that point. I give 4 credit for having like a, a kind of an original idea though as far as like the killer and stuff like that. Like that was a... They did a really good job with kind of that background of the character with Ghostface. But yeah, it's just hard to continue something like this kind of a franchise without it getting really old really quick. 
Yeah, I think we've had five and six now. I think maybe one more, but then it needs to sort of take another break and then come back with a fresh trilogy in five or six years when people sort of yeah build up that anticipation again. Yeah, like completely do a reboot. Because originally when, when Scream 5 was announced, I was under the impression it was going to be a complete reboot of those series. I did not realize that it was going to be the quote-unquote requel that they were going with. <laughs> so it was it was kind of that was where it started to stretch for me a little bit but i still enjoyed it it's just that it is getting to the point where you don't know what they're going to do now and where they could go with it yeah i think that's kind of been the defining thread between these two and potentially a third one where it is very meta and like playing up on the the slasher horror tropes and i think that that's another reason they need to take a break after perhaps a seventh one so that they can see new horror tropes sort of develop like mm-hmm they're referencing like requels and stuff. We kind of need the next wave of horror to, to play on now rather than if we keep going, it's just going to be rinse and repeat. Yeah, and it's really hard right now, I feel like, for the horror franchise because so many people are just doing reboots of original movies and they're just getting lost, I think. A lot of them aren't coming out so great and the ones that are coming out good are still not getting the best rep because there's been so many crappy ones. So I feel like it's just going to be a really hard kind of sell moving forward if they don't take a pause, like you said, and just kind of rework the idea of Ghostface in the next five or six years down the road, maybe. We have seen some good fresh takes on horror, though, over the last sort of two years. Like, There's been some shit ones too, though. Yeah, but we got fresh. That was really cool. That was fun. Um, Smile. Mm-hmm. Megan. Barbarian. Barbarian. The Black Phone. Mm-hmm. What else have we got recently? Didn't we just watch one that was good? We've watched a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like we're, we're getting some fresh takes on horror now, which is nice. We are, but it's also, there's also some really crap things coming out. Like, you made me watch that terrible Jeepers Creepers movie, and that was absolutely atrocious, and you thought it was such a, a winner, and you're like, look at this, I found this, it was great, and it was fucking trash. I never said it was great. I just said, I, I love the Jeepers Creepers movie, and then I was like, oh, cool, a new one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, that was absolutely terrible. There's been a lot of, like... We should have taken a longer break on that one. <sighs> Let me tell you, like, that was, oh, that was rough. That was bad. That was real bad. And so it's like, you know, and then you have, like, the horror movies that are getting kind of, like, comedy-wise, like the Winnie the Pooh movie or whatever. Like, they just, they're taking all these ideas out of the woodwork now because there are so many things that are out there to explore, but they're not exploring them the right way. So it's a really hard sell in the horror franchise right now. I think with the upcoming movies, like, I'm excited for The Exorcist coming out, even though it is a remake. I'm still looking forward to that. When Insidious comes out, the next chapter of that, that's going to be fantastic because I love that series. So, Yeah, the red door. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I just, I'm not going to hold my breath when it comes to certain things and certain franchises. That Exorcist remake is going to be very interesting. I'm going to go into it with an open mind. That's a very risky move to touch probably the most iconic horror film of all time. It was my first horror movie I ever watched and I, I snuck watching it when I was like 12, I think. That's a bad idea. That was a real bad idea. And now you know why I messed up. <laughs> I watched a girl go down the staircase backwards. I mean, or upside down for the most part. But um, yeah, that does explain a lot. But no, I'm optimistic for it. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna pass judgment on it. I am gonna keep my reservations to myself because it's one of my favorite movies. And if they fuck it up, I'm. You're gonna hear all about it. <laughs> We're gonna come <laughs> back here whenever it comes back out, and you were never gonna hear the end of it. 
So in terms of the cast for Scream 6, we had a majority of the sort of cast return from 5. Melissa Barrera as Sam Carpenter, Jenna Ortega as Tara Carpenter, Hayden Panettiere returns as Kirby. Kirby Reed, which was really cool to see. I love Kirby. She's one of my favorite characters. I saw one of her quotes too in like an interview. Um, they asked her how she felt about reprising her role and she basically said, I was unsure if I was going to be able to act because she's taken like a major break from acting and this was like her comeback role. So I, like, <laughs> I, f- I don't know if I can remember how to act. Yeah, and I had to take a double take because she looks a lot older now and I'm so used to like her younger looking face because I've seen her like grow up and stuff like that. So she just looked so different. I go, there's no way that's Hayden Panettiere. Like they got somebody else. And then I looked and I go, oh shit, no, that's her. Yeah, well, the last thing I remember it in was Until Dawn, the horror game. Oh, I didn't even know she was in that. So there we go. She's like the main character in that and it's, it's an awesome game. Definitely check that one out. Okay. Uh, And then we had Courtney Cox return as Gail Weathers, a character that she said she loves and she would probably do for free if they, if it was required. Team Gail all day. (laughs) But we, like we said, we lost Neve Campbell, the first Scream film without her over sort of pay conditions. She didn't feel like they were offering her a rate that was uh, in line with the value that she brought to the series, which is understandable. Like she... She is pretty much the Scream franchise, apart from... Yeah. Like, Ghostface is recognisable, but so she's on an equal footing. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you can't have Scream without Sydney generally. Like, it just doesn't work. And I really disliked the way that they wrote her out in the movie. Um, It really bothered me, but I get that they didn't really have a choice. It just kind of bugged me. I don't feel like it was, like, that great of a exit of a character kind of moment. Yeah, she kind of just wasn't there. Yeah, it was just like, I didn't show up for work today <laughs> kind of moment. It was just a really, very, like, brief, like, oh, yeah, she's just not, she's not going to do it. Like, you know, she's not going to come back. She's busy with her life. I wonder if that was part of the reason that they shifted the story to New York as well. It could have been. I get that, yeah, it was probably trying to play up on the Scream 2, Scream 3, oh, we're in a different location deal. But, yeah, if Sydney is still in Woodsboro... If this was taking place in Woodsboro, it'd be even weirder that she wasn't in it. Whereas at least this is like, oh, these kids have all gone to college in New York. So this is why they're here. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I I really hate the fact that she didn't come back for it. I understand her reasoning behind it. And I'm really glad that Gail is still going strong in these movies because she's she's OG for me. So, you know, she's always going to be the pain in the ass to everybody, but she's necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other sort of main characters, like there's obviously all the side character friends, uh, but the main three that are really important to the movie are Jack Champion as Ethan Landry, Liana, uh, Liana Liberator, is that her name or did I mistype that? You probably, probably mistyped it. I probably mistyped that. As Quinn Bailey and then Dermot Mulrooney as Detective Wayne Bailey. I haven't seen that guy in everything. He's in a lot of stuff. He is. I did not notice that, and I've never known his name, but I looked at that and I go, I just saw him in something. He's, like, everywhere. Yep. What did you think of that trio of characters as well? Um, It was an interesting uh, trio. Um, The concept for me was a little bit stretched with them, but it wasn't bad. I, I think they did well with their individual parts, you know, like, 
oh, I'm, you know, I'm the innocent kid, like, I don't know what's going on kind of moment. Oh, I'm the really good friend, you know, like, don't worry, nothing's going to happen, we'll be all right. And then it's like, I'm, I'm a detective and I'm going to make sure that I figure out what the hell's going on here. <laughs> so it was, it was a fun introduction of new characters, but I still wasn't 100% on board with, with them and their involvement and everything. Yeah, the way it all came back around and tied those three together was a little bit like, uh, we are reaching a little bit here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it, it was a cool concept as well, like the idea of there being multiple ghost face killers, mm-hmm. not a single witch, which they've done before. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen it before, um, but I don't, like, it was a fun, like, you know, I feel like they were almost paying homage to, like, the, like, a, before like in what was it two they had two killers Mm -hmm. so and obviously whatever five and shit whatever it's been done but they've never done three i don't think right so it was a it was good i just feel like it could have gotten really messy um if they hadn't just like stuck to the one way that they did it and they tried to go out into like different lines or different ways of them crossing paths it could have gotten really messy it's like a great way to like throw in red herrings and throw people off like oh it's got to be this person because you see them like they're in a specific location when a murder's happening so you're like okay it's not them anymore and then yeah, yeah. it turns out in the end it was and i'm always that person who's like gail is gonna be the fucking killer of this movie i already know it gail is done with this shit and she's like all right i'm gonna see what all the fuss is about and let me kill some people like that has always been my moment is gail's eventually gonna be ghostface yeah when we were watching this we were we were throwing out some theories as we're going like at first, I was like, this detective is suspect. And I was, I was immediately onto him. I was like, no, you're, there's something wrong with this guy. Yeah. And then they, they did the trick where they're like, oh, no, he's here and he's getting attacked. So it's not him. I was like, oh, God damn it. And then Kirby came out of nowhere and she was like, she seemed suspicious in number four anyway. Like, I really thought Kirby was behind four originally. Mm-hmm. And so you never know with her. Like, she just, ooh, I'm back and I'm a detective now at the FBI. Like, what? Yeah, I was like, wait, what? When? And then we were like, oh, it's got to be Gail. Like, they were playing up that, yeah, her whole career has been built on this killer and now we think these people are fine and then Gail returns and then the killer returns. It's like, hmm, what's going on here? Yeah, and I'm just really convinced that one day she's just going to be like, all right, well, I'm fucking tired of this shit and I just, I want to be done with it. Like, I feel like they could end the franchise and honestly get away with having Gail be a killer. Yeah, and then kill her off to end it. They could do it even better and go with the Stu's still alive theory and bring Stu back to kill people with Gale, but... <laughs> You're a terrible person. You love my my conspiracy theories, it's wonderful. I, I've got a different theory for how the a future movie is going to go with who could be the killer. Oh boy. And then another person that makes a small little cameo as well, Jack Quaid returns as Richie Kirsch, but this was an uncredited uh, cameo for him because it was just like, him on a video from Scream 5, so it was kind of cool to see him come back. Yeah, it was just like playing in the background when he was like going through his, yeah, I remember that. I think you saw a theory on TikTok as well that like this movie almost basically confirms. Yes, um, so I had heard about this before, but I thought I was crazy and reading like random shit, and then I saw it again pop up on TikTok where all of the killers will flannel in one point or another, or they're generally in flannel all the time, and it's completely true. Like, going back and looking at the different sequences, I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be funny if they, like, now that that theory has kind of gained a lot of traction with sort of TikTok and uh, message boards and things, like, 
Are they going to start like using that as like a red herring in they could. seven? I, re- they, I think if, they will. What if everyone was a hipster and just was wearing freaking flannel shirts all day long? <laughs> yeah, I think they'll they'll put Gale in a flannel at some point, and they'll put all of these random characters just in flannels in just one scene. Like just have everyone wear one at least once throughout the movie. Well, they could just come down to Florida and they could go to Twin Peaks for dinner. <laughs> and <laughs> no one would know. You're dumbass. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> it just it popped in my head and I couldn't help it. And then the last person that makes an appearance that has a another small cameo is in the beginning of the movie. Samara Weaving as Laura Crane. She does not last all too long. We get the classic like scream opening where there's a girl on a phone and she gets lured into her untimely murder. And now we're upgraded to like dating apps and uh, oh yeah, I'm going to meet up with like a... a... It's not the babysitter at home by herself anymore. Right. No, now it's like, oh, I'm at a bar meeting someone I met on like Tinder or something like that. Yeah, now it's like you're in danger all the time, not just right. alone at home. Like you're in danger in very public places. Yeah, clearly. That scene sets the tone for this movie because this movie is very violent and very full on at points. It is. Um, it's a lot. It's crazy to see how Scream has transitioned from like just stab, stab a, a hundred times and like, you know, someone gets smushed in the garage door so now we have people getting their like fucking guts taken out and shit like that or like brutally like butchered up like dewey in the last film where he just got completely like sawed up from down up Mm -hmm. and in this one the therapist getting stabbed through the nose (gasps) oh like there's some there's some brutal killings in this one brutal shit (laughs) Like, I was not expecting that because it's always just been like, we'll stab them a couple times and then they'll be dead or we'll slit their throat or whatever and they'll be fine. Yeah, it's all been like quick in and out killings, whereas these these were like in your face, personal, brutal killings. And even the the murderer from the opening scene, when he goes home and the real ghost face reveals himself, his roommate is butchered and diced up in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, like... That never happens in the screen movie. I will give them credit, though. They're still maintaining the the element of surprise, I guess, and the way of keeping it concealed. Like, on the subway train when, like, he just, like, randomly stabs that girl. Like, nobody knows what's going on. So they're still able to, like, maintain killing somebody in the open and having no idea that anybody's actually getting stabbed or killed at all. Yeah, yeah, like, they get up nice and close and, like, do it. They're not running around, like, ah, stabbing people in the head. Right, so I give him a ton of credit for maintaining that because that's been like a constant throughout all of the franchises, just like making sure you don't get caught, but you can still be ballsy enough to do it in open public with everybody around you. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that train scene, that's that's a pretty iconic moment in this movie too because they used that to pay homage to a bunch of horror franchises and particularly uh, Wes Craven, the director of the original first four screen movies as well, which I thought was... A very cool little tribute to him. I love that. I like how they've managed to really pay tribute to a lot of things in these movies. Just like the Carpenter last name, that's paying homage to John Carpenter. So I love the fact that they're able to like incorporate little things here and there 
Um, it's so much fun to see that happen. I noticed a bunch in this. So on the train scene, we get people dressed as characters from The Last House on the left, Deadly Blessings, A Nightmare on Elm Street as Freddy Krueger. That's the, the really obvious one. Deadly Friend, Shocker, The People Under the Stairs, and Vampire in Brooklyn. We also get someone dressed as Grace from the film Ready or Not, which stars Samara Weaving. Wasn't there also people dressed up like the people from Us? I thought I saw someone in there dressed up like Us. Yep. Uh, we also have, there's at the Halloween party, there's someone dressed as Wednesday Adams. Yes. Which is Jenna Ortega's character. And then the therapist as well in the background. She's obviously a horror uh, film buff as well because we see a bunch of like little horror action figures and stuff, including the Pazuzu character from The Exorcist. Yes. So lots of cool little things. And then another one was there was somebody dressed as Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls, which is Roger L. Jackson, the voice of Ghostface, is the voice of Mojo Jojo. Uh, that I did not know. I am. That's something. I will never look at Powerpuff Girls the same way ever again. Tons of very cool little tributes throughout the movie. That's really rare. I love that, though. Like, I love when movies do that. So it's really fun to just see how things get incorporated really small and you you would have to, like, rewatch it again to, like, catch on and stuff. And another little fun fact with this movie, too, is we finally get to see Gail have a phone conversation with Ghostface, which is the first time that has ever happened in the Scream franchise. You're right. In one of the movies, I can't remember which one, she's supposed to pick up the phone to talk to him, but somebody else grabs the phone instead. Mm. So yeah, like she's come close, but this is the first time she has a direct phone conversation with Ghostface and That's right. then has a full-on encounter confrontation, which Courtney Cox did all the stunts for. Did she really? During that fight scene, she did everything. God damn. I mean, she's my hero. It's like... She's amazing. I love her to death. And I'm so glad that she has maintained the ability to do this role and still like be a powerhouse with it. She's owned it so much. It's wonderful. Yeah, that shows her dedication to this role too. At, at her age to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get thrown around through tables and a bunch of crazy stuff during a fight. Yeah, toss me up against a wall and shit. Yeah, that's crazy. I can I did not know that. So that's wonderful. I'm glad she was able to do that because shit, I don't see a bunch of other people doing their own stunts like that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. The other like key element of this movie is Sam and her dealing with her like trauma from the murders of the previous film. Uh, she's going to a therapist. People are accusing her of orchestrating the 2022 murders and her framing Richie. But and she she's clearly struggling with that because she snaps on the woman in the park. Like that was crazy. And just goes goes nuts. It's like oh okay yeah you're definitely having issues and she can't keep. She has to like constantly keep Tara around her. She freaks out if she doesn't know where she is. It's like, okay, you have some serious issues. Yeah, you really see her struggle with that. And I think it, she's still trying to accept the fact that she's related to Billy. Um, it's, it's become like really hard for her to like really accept that. Granted, you see her accept it when she starts killing people randomly and like she embraces her in a psycho. But um, it, I feel like it is really a, a lot for her to handle and she's just like at her breaking point when she doesn't really know like what the fuck <laughs> like am yeah. i just gonna snap on somebody and kill them like you know like yeah and like we see her still having those like flashbacks and visions of billy and it's like oh you yep 
I love the fact that Skeet Ulrich like agreed to come back for the last movie and really like reprise that, even though it was such a minor kind of role. Like they couldn't have just like taken someone else and and done that because he's you know he's Billy, you know. Yeah, like that was probably like a day's worth of shooting, a couple of yeah. little things that then they alter and uses flashbacks and visions. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned sort of Sam finally embracing her psycho when she puts on the ghost face costume in order to attack the detective. This is where my theory comes into play. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love a good theory. Let's go. So she finally snaps. She is a very incredibly effective killer in that moment as well. And then after all of it goes down, she's killed the detective. She's killed the um, kids. She takes the mask off. Everyone's like chatting. And then as the film like ends, she sort of looks at the mask and sort of thinks about it and then tosses it away and walks off. Yeah. As she's looking at it, you're thinking she's looking at it like, maybe I should just embrace this. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they said it in the movie, like the, the mask that she wears is supposed to be the original mask that Billy wore in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's even more playing with her and her psycho, her psyche essentially is the fact that like she is literally embracing Billy now all the way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's very interesting. I'm thinking that like her looking at that mask, like contemplating, is this like what I'm supposed to be is possibly alluding to a sequel where she finally does snap and just becomes the ghost face killer. Yeah, I, that's a, honestly, it's a pretty decent theory. I still like mine better because it's mine, but whatever. I, I could see like maybe her and Gail teaming up or those two clash and they kill each other and then that like allows them to end the series on a very conclusive note and then we can spin it off with copycats all over the place rather than having the, the classic like Star Wars problem where it's a giant universe but everything comes back to this one family. Or, or hear me out, I know it's crazy, Stu comes back and they and Sam kills with him and it's like baby Billy and Stu back at it again. Okay, I guess that would work. You know it would. It'd be weird, but it would work. Totally work. Come on, Matthew Lillard, answer my prayers. <laughs> <laughs> One moment I did have a big issue with uh, was we see Ghostface using guns for the first time. Wasn't a fan of that. Nope. But then there's a moment where Sam is facing off with the detective Wayne, both with a gun. Sam runs out of bullets, so she tosses the gun to the side and then charges the cop who still has bullets in his gun, but he runs at her too. I'm like, just shoot her, you idiot. I really hate that. Um, They've never really utilized guns all that much in the Scream franchise. It's always just been really knives. And then when they did, they made him look like an idiot. Yeah, and so it it was kind of like a, that was a really shitty kind of moment for me. That whole sequence was kind of crap. (laughs) But I guess if it works, it works. It just seemed really odd to just like go at each other and charge each other. I was like, oh, okay, what, what is happening right now? At least have him like pull the trigger and have him realize he's out of bullets too. Yeah, or have it jam, like at least see him attempt to shoot at her and then it just like does something stupid. But, yeah. like, not have him be like, oh, she's running at me. I'm going to run at her too. Like, bro, yeah, just... it was terrible. Ooh. I think the one thing I really did love about this movie though is the fact that like the the building that it takes place in that was like a museum of all artifacts from all of the different Woodsboro murders. Um, I liked how they were able to like set that up and everything, and they had all the different ghost face costumes from all of the different 
incidences. So that was fun to see. And I'm glad that they were able to incorporate all of those in there. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that they had to recreate all of those items. Like they didn't have the original props, which is so weird. Like why does Paramount not have those stored away somewhere? People steal shit all the time. If I worked on a fucking movie like that, you'd damn sure to be stealing a fucking knife. Be on my damn wall with my fake ones that I have. And that's why you're never getting led on a movie set. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not saying I would, but I mean, you know, if I got the opportunity. In terms of like the reception to this movie, it's done incredibly well, as expected. Worldwide has earned $169 million off a somewhere between 33 and $35 million budget. So Not bad. Nice tidy little profit there. Yeah, not bad. Is the first installment in the franchise to gross over $100 million at the domestic uh, US box office. Well, the first one, first one since Scream 2. So, Okay. Yeah. Obviously, a sequel to the original was going to get a massive bump and then it dropped off. I thought 5 was going to be higher because of like... The reboot thing. The gap and the anticipation. But again, a sequel to that is going to do a bit better. Like, there was probably people very hesitant to go into that one being like, hmm... I saw the last two and they sucked. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I called off of work that day and took myself to the movie theaters and watched it the day it came out. <laughs> and I don't feel guilty saying that now that I don't work there. <laughs> so yeah, Scream 6 is the highest grossing film in the franchise, but pretty crazy. Well done. That is pretty good. I mean, I'm happy for them. I feel like more people are just getting into that and uh, like people like our age and stuff like that, if they're kind of cool cool parents like I am they'd take their kids to go see it or whatever like I'm granted I streamed it at home because it's on Paramount now so I sat at home and watched it and it was great and then Chloe watched it with my mom so <laughs> they had their own yeah they were like what are you doing I'm like I'm watching Scream 6 I don't know about you guys and then the next morning I saw both of them on the couch and they're just sitting there like we're watching Scream 6 don't talk <laughs> good yeah I was like, all right cool have fun <laughs> Uh, and then before we close, a couple of other little interesting tidbits about this one. It's the longest film in the franchise at 123 minutes. Okay. And it's the first film in the series where the number is in Roman numerals. Yes, you were right. That's very interesting. Yeah, interesting choice. But I, I do like how they always try to incorporate the number into the title screen. The logo, except for the last one, because number five was not officially called. They incorporate it into the last one. No, because they never ca called it officially Scream 5. It was just called Scream, and that's why everyone thought it was a reboot. Yeah, it was just called Scream, but they incorporated the 5 into the title, the logo, because they changed the S to a 5. That's why I called it 5 Cream. Oh, is that what they did? Oh, you're such an idiot. It's 5 Cream. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, this one's Scream 6, and they just colored the M in a specific way. No, I like it. It's fun. I think they're going to have trouble with Scream 7, though. I don't know. We'll take a look. Let me see. None of those can really be sevens. They could uh, highlight the part of the R to be a seven, I guess. It'd just be a stretch. It would work for... Pro it, it would be a stretch, but it, it could work. I can see how they could do it. Okay. The right side of the A, make that red. Mm-hmm. And then the left side of the M, make that red. So that gives you the V. Right. And then two lines on the M. Oh, that makes sense too, I guess. It would look weird. It wouldn't look as clean as they did with Scream 6, but it would work. Yeah, that's true. We'll see. In terms of rating, what would you give Scream 6? I 
probably give it like a four. Yep. I'm not, you know, it wasn't fantastic blowing my socks off, but it also wasn't fucking Halloween ends, so it's great. Yeah, I gave this one a three because I thought I enjoyed Scream 5 more. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a little bit more inventive and creative in terms of the points it made about horror as a whole, whereas this one kind of really did just feel like let's rinse and repeat, do the same thing, but in a different location. Mm-hmm. So yeah, three out of five for me. Cool. Thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee. And you can follow me on social media at Jamie Ups Media and at Mario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.